Welcome to The Local, brought to you by Fairhaven Wealth Management in partnership with our friends at the Wheaton Chamber of Commerce here in Wheaton, Illinois. I'm Mark Horner, and together with Vicki Austin, we bring you conversations about what's happening with people right around you. Everyone has a story that goes well beyond their day-to-day life. Stories about their history, their passion, their inspirations. All you have to do is look and ask and maybe listen. These stories may be local, but their reach is far and their themes universal. Welcome to another edition of The Local. We have one of uh, the leaders of the educational industry here in Wheaton joining us today, Mr. Matt Biskin. Thank you for being here, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And let me be among the first to congratulate you on your promotion. So you were previously principal of Wheaton North High School and now... I will be the assistant superintendent for administrative services for Con- District 200. Congratulations. 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 The Falcons of Wheaton North are going to miss you, but you're not, you're not gone forever. I'm just down the road. Super. Just Excellent. down the road. So what made you get into education? So what made me get into education? It was by happenstance. Um, when I graduated from Bishop Knoll in 1989, uh, I was going to attend Purdue University Calumet, which is in Hammond, because mm-hmm. uh, at the time I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. You know, and Bishop I, Knoll is a high school in Hammond, Indiana, Bishop where you Noel grew Institute up. Institute is the high school that I went to. Yes, so I graduated from there. I know I was going to be around the area. I was living at home. I was going to work and take classes. And I approached my uh, former baseball coach from Bishop Knoll Institute, Jack Gaber. And I said, Coach, uh, I'm going to be around. I'd, I would love to help out with the team if you need help. I mean, I was 18 at the time, mm. but I, you know, I just, I love the game and I wanted to be part of it. And he said, okay, great. Uh, you're going to be our head freshman coach next, <laughs> next year. And I said, okay. Careful what you ask for. That's right. And was that like a paid position or was that a volunteer thing? I can't even remember if I got paid. Uh, <laughs> That's really, how much you loved it. I, I just knew I was excited, and it was a chance for me to be around the game. And then I'll never forget that first day we had practice during the winter time. So obviously the weather's terrible. We we're in our which what we call the field house, uh, not much of one, but we did have one. And that first day I started working with kids. I just kind of said. Boy, this is great. What a great feeling to help mm-hmm. kids. Hooked. Yeah, hooked. It really was one of those moments. Like wow. I it's I can go back to that and that feeling I had. And then from that point, uh, I became a lot more focused. I became a better student because I knew what I wanted to do. Right. I had a purpose. And that sort of paved the way for me to where I'm at now. Yeah. So the coach calling your, I don't know if it was a bluff, but, but, uh, but it might've been, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was, let's roll with that. Right. Calling your, calling, calling your bluff. That is what sets you on the path. And your first job out of college was in, have you been in education your entire professional career? My entire professional, I've had a number of other, uh, summer jobs, um, leading up to that point, but my first like real professional job out of college so I student taught at Merrillville High School, which is uh, in Merrillville, off I-65. You can see it's a fairly large school. Uh, I student taught, and then I graduated from Indiana in the fall of 94. And then they hired me as a full-time substitute teacher and coach, and I did that for half the year. And then Providence Catholic High School hired me as, uh, at the time, for that next school year, an assistant dean and science teacher, and I coached football, basketball, baseball. Wow, you were young for an assistant dean, yeah? yeah? Well, it's funny, uh, I had no intention of being a dean, and mm-hmm. there was no uh, no idea that that's what I would end up doing, and that sort of led me onto the path of where I'm at now. Right, administration. Right, mm-hmm. but the reason they gave me a shot at being an assistant dean is because I was a security guard for the Chicago White Sox during the summers. <laughs> Uh, I worked for SDI Security, who was contracted out by the White Sox. Their main security at the ballpark are uh, off-duty Chicago and state Mm -hmm. cops. Mm -hmm. But they had SDI that dealt with players' families and friends, which was a section behind home plate. There was a visitor bullpen area, and there were a few other 
areas also. SDI is the name of the company? Yeah, security? It's, no, it's no longer there. Oh, okay. I don't even know if it's a security company But anymore. it was the company. But that it was contracted. at that time. Mm-hmm. So that was 1990. So I was able to, um, I got a job there because I was umpiring a game in Hegwish, which is the southeast side of Chicago. And a cop whose kid was playing saw me and said, nice, nice job today. I said, hey, thanks. We started talking. He asked me if I was a fan of the Sox. I said, oh, yeah, because oh, my yeah. dad and I spent every summer there. I mean, we went to a ton of games. So they let people from Hammond go to the White Sox? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. That's probably <laughs> a major portion of the makeup. But um, I, I ended up uh, hooking up with a guy named Rob Lyons, who still works there and is now employed by the White Sox. He hired me as an 18-year-old, and I worked almost every game in 1990, which was the last that was season a, in Old Sox Park. That had to be a dream come oh, true. It was greatest, it's, oh, my gosh. It was the greatest job in the world. I oh mean, it was gosh. hilarious. It was I am a, a White Sox fun. fan by marriage. There you go. Mm-hmm. I let's just stop there because it's not been a very good season up to this point, right? <laughs> My husband's a, a an eternal optimist. Oh boy! So what does this say about the the education system that uh, a bullet point on somebody's resume as a security guard at at down at Comiskey is going to make you ri- bubble up to the top as a dean right. position? Well, right. assistant dean, right? They're the ones who like assistant take, dean. To take kids and knock them up the side of the head. Timing, so it's perfect. Timing is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they they let me know that after I had been offered the job that they really liked the experience that I had in tough spots being at the ballpark. And <laughs> right. they just thought if if you can handle that, you can you can handle kids. This is what else got me. And I, I had a lot of experience working with kids before I got to that interview. Mm-hmm. So I had proved through actions, I want to do this. There are a lot of times, and I see today, like I will, we will bring potential teachers in, and there is no experience working with kids up to that point. They've gone to school for it, but mm-hmm. they've not done anything outside of their classes to show that they want to work with kids. No real experience. Now, that might be, that's probably a bias on my part, but I do look at that. Like, how much have they done on their own to show that they really want to do this job? Right. Because it's more than a job. You really right. have to be dedicated to students in order to do it well. And I had a number of experiences in coaching. Yeah. Cause when I went, when I transferred and went to uh, Indiana, I got hooked up with Greer Werner, who was the Bloomington South baseball coach. And he hired me as his assistant coach. So while I was a student there, I was coaching. Mm. So, you know, I never went on spring break with my friends. You I went working. to ball games. Mm-hmm. I, I, cause I wanted to do that. I wanted mm-hmm. to work with, with kids. So That's uh, I think those experiences, they said, let's take a shot at this and see how he does. So, so have you seen a decline? Uh, is, has that been a slow decline during the course of your career that you're seeing people come in to, that are applying for teaching positions with less and less and less experience outside of being formally trained as a, as a teacher, is that, is that a, an increasing trend that you've seen? Yeah. Um, what do you think that's, what, what do you think's contributing to that? I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with if I'm going to do it, I should be getting paid. Um, and that can be a stumbling block. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I coached baseball for six years. I never got paid a dime Yeah, and I showed up every day mm. yeah. and I'm, you know, I, I know I sound old right now, but that's just, that's <laughs> just what you had to do. Yeah, and I, yeah. I really, you paid your dues, I really loved say. it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I wanted to continue to do it and it was never a means to an end for me. Mm-hmm. I, I just enjoyed doing it. Um, now people should be compensated for the work that they, that they do. And I get that once you're hired, you should be compensated. But when you're in college and you're trying to secure a position in the field of your choice, in my view, you should be doing whatever you can mm-hmm. to get experiences in that. So when you do go for that first quote unquote real job, you're ready. You and you've shown your future employer, I want to do this. Right. You've made some commitments. Yeah. Well the other thing is, and I did some career coaching for a long time and 
you know, I would always ask people to do research first before they made a choice or a decision because how terrible to go through eight years of medical school and find out, you know, that you're queasy at the sight of blood or that you really don't like helping people at the bedside. I mean, people make career choices based on experience. So it sounds like you got great experience. I have a question for you about the parents (laughs) of the kids who are playing. Um, Did you ever ever have to break up a fight with them? Not necessarily a fight, but, you know, I've had to, in the past, I've had to talk to some parents about, you know, we need to be the adult here and <laughs> and not be as boisterous, perhaps, as we are. So, You what mean did, parents get out of hand from what? time to time oh, in the stands? I Once in a great while. Once in a great That's while. very diplomatic. Very diplomatic. <laughs> well, if that view makes you old, then that makes two of us. Because I recently had, a, my wife and I have got four kids, and I mm-hmm. recently had a conversation with one of them talking about uh, a summer job where I said to them, what you get paid is uh, way down on the priority list. You should be going there for the experience mm-hmm. uh, of showing up someplace and doing what you're doing, what you're told and being a contributor to whatever organization it is that you're going to be working at. And, and the money is not, not a, it's a factor. You know, I think that, I think there's something, there's something to that getting getting paid for a job well done, but it's not the, I, I don't think it should be the, it should be the primary factor. I mean, if you had thought that way, you would have passed on that very first, that very first coaching job Absolutely. That, mm-hmm. that, that sets you on the mm-hmm. path that you're on. Yeah. I like what you said though, that people should be paid. You, we, we don't want to exploit people. No. On the other hand, there is that pay, pay your dues, right? There's yeah. that idea that you have to put the work in to find out, first of all, if it's what you want. And, you know, to get good at it. So yeah, I, I, I think there, there's no wasted experience right. in work because right. you find out what you do want to do and you also find out what you know you don't want to do. And that do. is just as important. Sometimes it, it is by process of elimination that we come to our, our career yeah. choices. That reminds me of, an, of a quote that I just love from uh, Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. So the quarterback from uh, the, the Eagles. Eagles, right, and post, post-game. Uh, after the Super Bowl, he he said, you know, some and this is and I I think it's easy to lose to lose the perspective of. I think he's twenty four years old. I mean, he's a these guys are still kids. But what he said was, you know, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. Mm. And to say that in the in the context that he said it in, coming off of the field, a heartbreaking loss, mm-hmm. and to be able to be that reflective as young as he is, I think is remarkable. Mm-hmm. But that idea that you that sometimes you. Sometimes you learn from, you learn the most when, when things aren't going the way that you thought that they would. Absolutely. And putting yourself out there and uh, having a job that you don't like, especially when you are younger, it, it means something um, because you do, you, you learn from it. Um, I mean, I, I, I did that job. I, I actually, I worked at a Catholic cemetery for three summers as a grave digger. Uh, using a shovel by hand, two guys to a hole. I know it's very, very morbid. This is unbelievable, isn't it? It's just very like, what did this guy do and how is he here? Um, but I, I did that. And, and there were three straight summers where I worked there during the day. I, and then when the Sox were in town, I worked there for the game. And then in the new ballpark, their current park, they always had three people on duty from midnight to 8 a.m. Oh, one off-duty police officer and two SDI guards, and I would work that. Just an empty field, just a silent field. Yeah, that must have been mystical. I was. We had a lot of fun because there was nobody there, and we had (laughs) the auxiliary lights were still on, and we played catch in the the field. Did you take a little BP after games? All that, all the food in those sweets that was never touched. The chefs would say, "Come on up." We'd be eating shrimp cocktail. I mean, it was now I worked basically for 24 hours straight, yeah. but my boss at the cemetery, Hank would say, Hey, if you want to get a nap and you go, go ahead back in the garage. I said, okay, thanks. None of their customers were going to complain. Right. 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 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was quite a lead up to getting my first quote unquote real job and the experiences that I had. I think it prepped me for working hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, even as the principal of Wheat North High School, which which is a tremendous job, uh, but requires a lot of time mm-hmm. if you're going to do it the right way, mm-hmm. at least in my mind. Um, 
I look back to when I was doing those jobs and just on, on that wheel and just kept going. And I think, boy, you could be doing that still. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, right. I still, I, it's, it, it's a lot of work, but yeah. it's worthwhile work. So. What was your biggest surprise about teaching when you finally, when you finally blended all these skills, working with kids and, you know, some uh, hard work ethic and leadership skills? What was your biggest surprise when you began teaching full time? Um, it's a great question. I, I think how much the kids wanted you to care. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of times kids, you know, they, at that age, they put up this front as though they're, I don't, I don't need you. I don't, I don't need this, but they, they really do. Mm-hmm. And they do want structure. Mm-hmm. They do want someone to provide them some guidance. Uh, and the, the art of teaching comes in when you can find where you can sort of let go a little bit and let them go on their own and, and try different things, whether you're talking in the classroom or on the field or on the stage or on the court, um, all those experiences, uh, kids want an adult who cares about them. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Uh, we, we would today call that we want every student to have a trusted adult within the school because there is real data to show that if a student has a trusted adult in their lives, and a lot of times school provides that, that they have a much better chance at doing well in life, whatever mm-hmm. that is. Mm, that so, is great. Yeah. That's really inspiring. And I don't think I knew that. No. Obviously at my age, right. being so young, I mean, right. I was just out of school, but as I started to work and do different things within this field, it, it became clear. So in your career path, so you, you went to Providence Catholic as the, as the assistant dean mm-hmm. and teacher. Mm-hmm. And so when did the classroom, when did you make the transition entirely into administration? So I left Providence and went to Wheaton North. Wheaton North High School and Wheaton Warrenville South High School at that time were going to add another dean at each high school. At the time, there were two deans at each school, and they were adding a third. Matt Fisher, who was the athletic director at Wheaton North, he, he actually went to school at Providence, taught at Providence, and then left to go to Wheaton North. When Matt left, I was the one who was hired to take his spot. So I met him one time on his way out, and mm-hmm. that was basically to give me some of the curriculum that he had used for some of the science classes. And so we had kept in touch during that time. And he called me to let me know a few years later, Hey, they're going to be adding a Dean's job. Would you have an interest in putting in for that? And I said, well, yeah, I said it, you know, I, I, I think I would. Um, And so I applied and I interviewed with Ralph Hetherington and Ralph Hetherington hired me. And so, uh, so you're smiling as you're saying yeah. Ralph Hetherington. Yeah. So, so I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up here. I grew up out on the East coast. So help me understand what's behind the smile about Ralph Hetherington. Well, Ralph was, uh, the first principal that I, that I worked for there and he, he hired me and Ralph was, he's a great guy. I, I actually just talked with him, uh, last, last month and, and we keep in, we keep in close touch and, um, he, he, what you saw was what you got with, with Ralph. Like he was not afraid. It was a different time then too, but he, he was not afraid <laughs> to said. just tell people <laughs> what they needed to hear. And, um, I'll never forget. So, I mean, th- there, there were times during a passing period where he'd just get on the PA and say, you know, Mr. Nemeth, please come down to the office. Like in that, in that sort of tone, like, and you knew as a staff member, like, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> what happened here. And so, uh, Ralph sometimes would, um, feel strongly about certain things. And when he really wanted to talk honestly about something, uh, he would call you over the radio to go to the loading dock and, uh, we'd go back in the loading dock and he'd have a cigarette while he was talking to you (laughs) and, uh, just to calm down a little bit. And, uh, he, but he, he was, he was great. I mean, I, I, I love Ralph. Ralph gave me my, my first shot. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you ever forget that person, no, right? No. You never do. And, you know, 
I, I've spent 24 years at Wheat North and it's because of, well, Matt got me the idea or gave me the idea. Like, I think you should apply for this. And then Ralph ended up hiring me. Yeah. And so open door. Yeah. It, uh, it definitely worked, worked out. Yeah. So now you're, you're leaving the actual school and, you know, our goal is not to make our guests cry like Barbara Walters, but um, what what is the, how do you feel about being on Park Avenue instead of, and when I say that, not New York, but Park Avenue where the district building is um, and, and leaving the kids, I know you're not leaving them behind, but you will not be in the actual school. How mm-hmm. will that be for you? Well, uh, it's going to be different. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. I'm, I'm excited about this new challenge. I, I've been fortunate in my career where every eight, nine, ten years I start getting this itch like I believe I can do that yeah. that next thing. It is the next and step. And the timing in this case, as in the previous three cases, worked out. It's Kismet. Yeah. I I I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to miss Wheat North tremendously. There's no doubt about it. There's great people there. I think they're gonna miss you. Yeah. It sounds like all your students follow have followed you for years. Yeah, well. I appreciate some of them right that. here. Yeah, some of them. <laughs> what Vicky's talking about is our podcast producer, Mr. Mark, Mr. Mark Long, a Wheaton, a Wheaton North grad. And I think he, the last time you saw him was he was in the principal's office, right? Maybe. Uh, it might have been, Mark. I don't know. <laughs> so what do you think of as far as the pandemic goes? Is this is that behind us from an, an education an education perspective? Are were there were there things that uh, as we were all trying to figure out stuff yeah. as we were as we were moving along? Are there things that came out of that experience that you think have been positive contributors to the delivery of education going going forward? What do you, what do you think the long the, the longer term impact of that couple of years is going to be? I think from an education standpoint, uh, we we had to develop the ability to be agile mm-hmm. uh, and adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, that was sort of forced on us. It was. In this profession, it it has a tendency, uh, change happens at a glacial pace. Mm-hmm. But COVID said and forced us to right. where we had to, we had to move. And thank you, by the way, we, just on behalf of our whole community, thank you to thank all you. the educators, the administrators. I remember the moment I got how serious COVID was, and it was when they closed the schools. And I, I felt like I could see my life passing before me like, Oh, this is serious. So yeah. once the schools closed and you all were struggling with how to teach kids in a completely new environment, yeah. I mean, uh, my prayers, our prayers were really with all of you in a very difficult time. Thank you. Yeah, it, it was a difficult time. Our staff did a wonderful job. They did. Uh, and, our, and our kids hung in there and they did the best they possibly could. That idea of being agile has translated over to, I think, teachers being more open and flexible mm-hmm. about what learning looks like, mm-hmm. what the products of learning can look like. Um, obviously, from a tool standpoint, we had Zoom, Google Meet. I mean, that I'm not a huge fan uh, of having meetings over that, but I do know their place now. I mean, yeah. that, there there is a place for that. Yes. Um, but yeah, they... They did our our staff and and the teachers across the country, across the world, for that matter. Sure, did everything they could to try to engage with students and still connect with them. And that was that was the toughest part. I also think what it proved to us was relationships matter. Are everything, and they if if they're not there, if they don't exist at a at a deeper level, learning doesn't happen as much. Right. It's not like it could be. Right. Uh, I, I'm proud to say that at Wheaton North and I know at Wheaton Oranville South, um, we have stressed the idea of building relationships and connections with kids for a long, long time. So this fit right into what we have always talked about. And now that we're you know, sort of from a working standpoint out of COVID, mm-hmm. um, it's made that importance, uh, it, it's highlighted even, even more. And not to say that curriculum doesn't matter. It obviously does. But you have to create an atmosphere that welcomes all students where students feel like they're 
valued, that they're recognized as real people. And when you have that sort of setting, uh, real learning happens. Wow. Can you talk about the diversity of the students in the school district? I know that um, I've lived in Wheaton close to 30 years, so it has changed quite a bit over the years, uh, known to be more um, homogenous than anything. And yet, uh, when I learned the statistics of how many languages the kids represent, can you talk a little bit about that and the diversity in the schools? Sure. Um, from Wheaton North standpoint, uh, we have an English language population where I believe there are over 50 different languages spoken. Can you um, believe that? That I would not have guessed that no. number. And it's like 80, I think it was 80 something for the whole district, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's shocking. It it poses great challenges, but it also poses wonderful opportunities. I bet. Uh, students from different backgrounds that aren't uh, that aren't from the U.S. They they truly value you know the chance that they have to be part of a school, uh, and to be part of the family of a school. And our student body and our staff does does a great job of just they're just part of our school. You know, there's nothing separate about it. They are Falcons. And uh, that's been that's been great. But the diversity of our school is, I think, what makes it great. Um, we have kids from different backgrounds, whether you're talking about where they grew up, socioeconomically. Um, everyone can learn from each other. And I think that's what we have tried to highlight. Um, sometimes that's challenging, but. We continue to do that, do that work because mm -hmm. uh, it is definitely worth it. I mean, look, our students are going to graduate and they're going to enter a world that is different than the one that I entered when I was their age. And for us to try to continue to um, run that model back and try to do things the same way that perhaps we did years back, it's not fair to them. So it has, you know, again, it's, it's forced us to look at things in a different way. How can we do this better? Uh, maybe we don't need to do that anymore. Maybe we can do this. Uh, that diversity has has helped us see that better. One of the things that uh, the Western DuPage Chamber has done is got, they've gotten involved in workforce development. And mm -hmm. as a Wheaton Chamber, we're looking at that as well. Would you say that workforce development is an important part of what a Chamber of Commerce or the business community should be responding to in terms of getting kids trained for the jobs that are needed to be filled? Is it, are, are you connected to the, you know, business world? I know there's the incubator as mm -hmm. a project for students to grow businesses. Can you tell us a little bit about the connection between helping these kids? You know, not, not everybody's going to go to college. There might be, you know, I, there are trade tracks now, I think that are more, I don't know, developed. Is that? Absolutely. Right now, our, our district, uh, we have a vision called vision 2026. And mm -hmm. part of that vision is, um, career pathways. And basically, simply put, career pathways is exposing students to experiences at an earlier age where they can decide, do I like this or don't I like this? Right. It goes back to your experience, really right? Yes. And, and so uh, we are working hard at creating pathways. We are, you know, we're not the first school district to embark on this. There are a lot of other districts that have done this work, but for us, it is new. And so the relationships that we have with Chamber of Commerce, with businesses within the area uh, are going to be vital to the success of our, of our students. And, and so we are working right now to try to create bridges so our kids can get the experiences that they, that they need in order to do well after they leave Weed North. Well, we're ready and ready and Absolutely. willing to ma make that match because we've got employers who need people. Yeah. You've got people who at some point will need to be employed. Absolutely. You, you bring up a really good point though. There are, it's not just about going to college. Uh, there are, I mean, we have a lot of skilled labor jobs that need to be filled and we need people. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of the challenge with that is there is there still is this idea of some sort of status attached to going to college, right? Uh, that just is the way it is. That's very hard to change. But if we can educate families that look, there are viable pathways to reach, you know, the goals that that your student has, 
and it's not just college, uh, that there are pathways. I mean, we have, we have a student going to the Technology Center of DuPage. We have about 75 of our students that go there at, every day. They go there in the morning and they learn different skills. And he's going to be a welder and he's going to graduate this year. And he's going to get a really good job. Yes. <laughs> and his, his goal is to be an underwater welder. Wow. And uh, he's very close to getting that. And he's eight, 18. Uh, you might want to look up what the salary is for an underwater <laughs> welder because uh, it is profoundly higher than what anybody else coming out of high school is probably Holy getting. Holy smokes. So, you know, again, now there are trade-offs, right? There are, there are trade-offs with all different lines of work, but that's something that that student wants and has put the effort in and now they'll reap the benefits of that. Well, and kudos again to the school district and the the schools for giving those kids another track, not just trying to force everybody on the on the same track. Right. I do have a question as the mother of two Wheaton Warrenville South graduates. You might have to, you know, mix up your wardrobe a little bit. So you got Falcons and you uh-huh. got to get some uh, tiger paraphernalia, tiger Too merch. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. Okay. <laughs> I don't, you know what's funny? You got 20 years of, Doctor, of uh, Falcon paraphernalia. Dr. Schuler, after uh, <laughs> we we talked and. Uh, the he, superintendent, the for those that did. Yes. Jeff Schuler. He, uh, he made that comment. He said, oh, man, I, I, I've got some. Tiger stuff and back. And I'm like, too soon back to show. <laughs> Let's just right. let some time pass I'm thinking, here. Thinking. Let some time pass. Oh, man. <laughs> so financial literacy, uh, I think, I believe uh, our state of Illinois is among the states in the union where financial literacy is not a required subject to be covered. Have you been part of any conversations, either directly or indirectly, about, about how that gets kicked around and developing? I mean, that's a, that's a, a, uh, a soft spot for me. I just feel, feel very, feel very strongly about that. And my, my kids pay the price of that when I talk about Roth IRAs at the dinner table, <laughs> but, but, but I, but I think in my own defense, I think what is true about, uh, about everybody that we might go talk to at Mariano's across the street is that everybody's got to make decisions about, right. well, talking about college, you know, right. that, that can be a huge financial decision to be, to be making at 18 or. Uh, rent or buying a house, Everything. or I mean, you go down Everything. the you go down the list of the financial decisions that we all need to make, no matter uh, no matter what path we're on. It it just it seems to me to make just so much sense to have financial literacy be something that every kid has to be has to be exposed to. How does how does the, do, you, do you have some insight how the state thinks about that that that's not a requirement? Well, the the state ultimately makes the determination whether that type of course will be a required course or not. We do offer consumer education. Every student has to take consumer education, uh, but it, it probably doesn't get to some of the points that you brought mm-hmm. up in terms of like, you know, opening a Roth IRA and things like that. Financial literacy is an important topic that every student needs to be exposed to. Um, I would agree with you. Um, what I have found though, and granted it's not a formalized class and this is not anything that you'd be willy nilly about, but even with my, my own children, our two boys who are 20 and 18, um, they've taught themselves how to buy and trade a little stock right? Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of the access. It's just so easy to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've talked to them and they, they seem to be very thoughtful about it. Now, would I have rather them had a real class in high school that <laughs> taught them that? Yeah. I, that would make me feel a little better. Uh, but I think students, and, and again, I don't want to, you know, you have to be careful making a broad statement like that. But I think a lot of students um, are not afraid to venture into that now, too, just because mm-hmm. of how easy it is to get into that. Mm-hmm. But I would agree with you. There, pro- there does need to be a standalone course that assists students in, in knowing what their future can look like from a money standpoint. I have a soft spot on that topic for women because... Um, uh, I just spoke recently with a Wheaton Chamber member, actually two different Wheaton Chamber members, one an estate attorney and one a financial planner, told me they both had female clients come in whose husbands had passed away and they had no idea how much money. One woman came into like, mm. a, you know, a zillion dollars, which is always a nice surprise. Uh, <laughs> but the other woman didn't even know how to write a check. So I think females in particular, that's an important 
uh, area, I think, for um, women to grow and learn and not be afraid. I don't know, Mark, has that been your experience that sometimes women are, are will defer that to their husbands and then when there's a loss, they don't know what to do? Uh, so I'm, I'm not quite sure about what the, what the motivation, what the motivation I, it, it has always seemed to me that it's more of a divide and conquer kind of, a uh, kind of an approach that the, that the households, households just basically assign tasks and mm-hmm. you're going to take care of this and you're going to take care yeah. of that, mm-hmm. uh, because one of us can't do it all. And, and I would say, I would say frequently the, the financial element of the household is, is being looked after generally by the male mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. member of the member of the house. But yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't really have any insight about whether that, it feels like it's not really coming from fear mm-hmm. of it. It's just, you take care of that. I'll take care Delegation. of this. And we're going to, mm-hmm. as a team, yeah. we're going to, we're going to go, go mm-hmm. tackle things. What we do talk about all the time with, with clients is that tomorrow is promised to none of us. Mm-hmm. There could be a fast moving Chevy waiting for me later today. And, and that I hope, not. I hope not either, but, but, but who knows? One never knows. Uh, and that if that does happen, that it's important for my wife to know who to go talk mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. and, and to know where, where everything is. is. Right. Right. Uh, and so that, so that that's not a, that's mm-hmm. not a concern. So communicating about, about the financial matters of the household from that perspective, mm-hmm. we, we talk about a lot. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking back to when I went to school, uh, girls took home ec and boys took wood shop. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there was, it was a very different, different oh, yeah. model back in the day. Yeah. We had to learn to sew. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because now the wood shop is coming back, right? Is it? Like, I, well, these, these uh, hands-on like skills. Yeah, yeah. The pendulum has swung back, you know, 20 years ago, every, all the schools got rid of, you know, metals and wood shop and they put computer labs in mm. and now they're getting rid of the computer labs and saying, we need to teach students how to work with their hands yeah. because there is such a shortage. So it is, it is funny how the pendulum does swing. And, and again, in our line of work, uh, change happens usually very slowly. Uh, so I, I just feel like sticking to the idea that from my standpoint, and I'm a high school person, I've worked in a high school for my entire career, the, the high school experience, you are going to school to learn how to keep learning, Mm, going to school to learn how to keep learning. Yes. And whatever that is, will be personal to that particular student. And they have the skills to be able that they can apply that to anything. And it's based on the relationships that they have with each other, what they have with their teachers, with their coaches, with their counselors. That's what inspires them to want to keep learning more. I think that may seem like, well, you're making it too simple. Well, because I think that's what it comes down to. It is. It's not about memorizing content anymore. It's about being agile, adaptable, solve problems work with different types of people uh, and you go to school to learn how to keep learning. I love that. I think this, I think walking out of high school with the spirit of being, I'm just going to be a lifelong learner. I can't imagine how that does not serve uh, a young person. Well, to to go, to go through life thinking I got it all figured out. Mm -hmm. That sounds, that sounds awful. Yes. Right. That, that attitude. What do you, what do you see in the development of, of sports? So with, with, AAU basketball and, and sports outside of high school competing with high school sports. Do you, have you, have you, have you seen, I mean, could you, could you imagine a time when, when sports are a materially, uh, a, a much smaller part of the high school experience because they've been outsourced to, to the, to the, like the traveling teams. Is tra- that kind of what you're talking yeah, about? Thank traveling you. Traveling teams. teams. Exactly. Exactly. I would hope not. I, I hope really not do either. hope not because mm-hmm. that's part of the experience of going to high school. And we talk about learning, but learning does not just occur in a desk, in a row, mm-hmm. in a classroom. It, mm-hmm. it occurs on the field. It occurs mm-hmm. on a stage, mm-hmm. uh, on a, you know, a court, whatever the interests of our students are. Um, there is that risk though, because 
And and let's say, and I hope it doesn't, but let's say that a, a large portion of sports is outsourced. You will have a wider gap. You will have the haves and the have-nots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because having four children of ourselves, uh, we've been down that road a little bit at least, not as deep as some others maybe, and it's a lot of cost. Mm-hmm. And what the park districts used to serve as when they were young uh, has been almost all given up to travel or the elite travel status, as people mm-hmm. want to say, because <laughs> they're all elite. Of course they are. You know? There's only one category. If you write the check, you're elite. <laughs> uh, but I, I hope it doesn't make its way up to high school because I just think sports, a lot of it has become a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Like you have parents putting their, their children in different sports with the hope that they can achieve a scholarship. That's what I was going to ask if they're, uh, is it scholarship motivated? I think a lot of, I mean that, and I think the status of it is mixed in with that too. And what people don't realize is there is far more academic money to be had out mm-hmm. there than there is mm-hmm. from an athletic standpoint. Right. It's you just, have to be a superstar to get those. Yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. by the time you add up all the money you've spent over the summers. <laughs> <laughs> you could afford a center to you school. Could, right. I, it just, I, I really hope that does not happen because I think being part of a high school team means something and it's important. There is more of a camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, you're spending a lot of time with them, not just in the sport, but during classes, mm-hmm. after school, weekends. Um, that's rare in a travel sport. I mean, my my son, uh, Mike, is a pitcher at Lamont High School, and you know he's worked very hard, and I and uh, we're very proud of him, my wife and I. Uh, but for travel, it's like we'll we'll meet you in Iowa. So you get your hotel room, me and him, and then we see the team when we get to the ballpark. Mm-hmm. And in high school, it's not like that. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. going to be together. We're, if we are going to go on a trip, we're together. We're going to travel together. Mm-hmm. We're going to be in rooms together. I think there's something to be said about that. I totally do. And I don't think travel sports. So we've, we've had a fair amount of experience with this. And they don't, they don't, I have not yet uh, been a part of a travel sports program that makes me have an aversion to wear a particular color so like <laughs> orange for a, for, right. for 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 i see where you're going for a, for example for, for example right which 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 i think speaks to i think speaks to when you when a, somebody feels so strongly as i'm not going to wear a particular color for a little oh, while right. that, that that's i mean that that's 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 reflecting a fair amount of loyalty yeah. some competitiveness yes. i mean all the all the all i mean all good things yeah. that that don't get you don't you don't elicit that kind of reaction no. in the in the travel sport world i Mark. know that was a long road to get to the point i was trying to make <laughs> but i think but i think i got there you did very very clearly too <laughs> you mark you and uh, bob hutchinson from wheaton bank and trust talked about um how coaches are wanting kids to be like one sport versus three sports when you know you and bob had both played different sports do you have an insight about that, that it seems like uh, the coaches want the kids to pick one sport and stick with it? Is that, is that because of the yeah. scholarship issue? The idea that if they stick with one thing, they'll be really good and maybe get the scholarship? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I, they, they want kids to specialize at an earlier age. And you can look at the experiences of, you know, if, if people have in mind professional players, if that's who their standard is, which is ridiculous, because I can tell you from a, I've coached baseball for a long time. I coached it for 12 years at the varsity level. You can tell if it's, if a kid has that potential when they're playing catch at the age of 12. Yeah. I mean, it just, it looks different. It sounds different. Mm-hmm. It's just the way things are. And so if, if that is their standard, well, those players played a number of different sports and they were great at all of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they were, they were great. Yeah. Um, so it just, you really run the risk of missing out on some great experiences. If you're going to just say, I want my kid to just play baseball or I just want him to play soccer or, but 
Here's what I will tell you. Every generation like mine, we have the tendency now at my age, I'm 51 now. And we'll say, you know, these, these, these kids now, these kids, these kids are lazy today. <laughs> well, let's take sports. For example, there aren't nearly as many kids playing three sports as there were back mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Let's just say, I don't think a lot of that has to do with kids. I think a lot of that has to do with what the adults have put on the kids to make decisions about that mm-hmm. have, that have made them think, well, it's not worth doing this. Mm-hmm. I am just going to go to two or I'm going to go to one. And I get it. Some of the adults feel pressure too from the structures that they're working in and all that. But I don't think it has much to do with kids. I think it has to do with the adults. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I don't know. I know that may not make some people happy, but well, it's, I think I really is. do. I think kids are kids. Adults have changed a bit. And we are in a very high quality of life community. Mm-hmm. And so there are high expectations for our children. Yes. As well, I think is that a safe <laughs> way to say it? This is reminding that comment's reminding me of one of a one of my personal highlight memories of my travel sports experience with my children. And and it and it ties into it ties into what Mr. Biskin is talking about, about uh, you know, really early on. So I I think it was seventh grade, a Wheaton a Wheaton uh baseball team that my oldest son was on went to go play a team in Maywood. And we, the, our team showed up with brand new pinstripe uniforms behind the dugout was like every piece of equipment you could, you could imagine all, all, all the toys, all the toys available for the team. And this team in Maywood, I don't think there was a matching shirt on that bench. They came out and I think it, it was the top of the, it was the, uh, the first inning and just rocked us. Uh, I, I think they put up 10, I think they put up 10 runs in the, in the first inning. I mean, there were balls that I think kids are still chasing. And I sat there in the stands as a, as a Wheaton, as a Wheaton dad with a huge smile on my face, enjoying every yes. minute of this. Wasn't watching that a the, movie too? Wa- wa- watching, movie? watching the kids that had all the brand new stuff just get destroyed by, by a, by a team without any matching without any matching uniforms. Talent wins. Uh, it tends to. <laughs> right, you right. can look great and have the bat bags and the That's everything else. But. That's how I golf, by the way. <laughs> I look good in an outfit, but well, that's, never actually get out there. there, there as long you as you go. got the outfit on. There you go. You got you to gotta play, play the part. That's exactly right. Yes. Life is a stage. So did you talk with your bride when you, when you threw your hat in the ring for the, uh, uh, the assistant superintendent? What did, what did she, what did, kind of counsel did she give you? You know, Liz has been great. I mean, I would not have been able to do my job uh, the past 24 years without her. And, and so when I said, you know, this job is going to be open and I'm thinking about it, I mean, she, she's great. She'll listen, but she knows when I need a new challenge too. Like she can sense it. And she said, you want to go for it? You should go for it. You know, like that's, that's, and that's been the case. That's been the case all the way, all, yeah. all the way. She, she's, she's been great. I mean, we have four kids and I've been a principal at Wheaton North for the past nine years. And she has picked up a lot of the slack that I've left. So that that's a, I mean, I can never tell her how grateful I am for her, mm. but you could, you could uh, well, do it right here, right I now. Could. Liz, and it'll I'm be, very grateful for the. Yes, for the that will go a long way at home. <laughs> yeah. So your kids didn't come to your school? No. Okay. We live in Lamont. Okay. Lamont, Illinois. So mm-hmm. our kids uh, went through St. Saint, Saint Cyril for grade school and then mm-hmm. they're through Lamont High School, mm-hmm. which has been great. Eric Michelson is a principal at Lamont. I want to give a shout at them. He doesn't. He does a phenomenal job. It's a great school. Oh, that's good. And so part of what you're talking about, for those that aren't familiar with the day-to-day responsibilities of a principal, I can't tell you how many games I've seen you at on a Saturday, uh, not necessarily, not just at Wheaton North, traveling to support the, mm-hmm. the various teams. And so, and so I'd say for individual parents thinking about all the travel that goes into watching their kid play one sport. Think anyway. What I see you doing is you're trying to you're trying to be supportive of every single sport, yeah. And so that's that's like that's feels to me like the equivalent of my kid plays every sport <laughs> at the not three sport, you know, every sport. I never thought and of it, it like that. And is in band, and 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 is in the drama team. Yeah. And so all the 
all the stuff for a, for a principal to be physically present at, which I think matters a ton. Yeah. Physical, physical presence. You do an outstanding job. That's a lot of time. It goes back to, they, they need to see that you care, right? Yeah. You, they, you really do care if you're on the sideline. I also want to thank you for mentioning the stage as another place for the kids. It's Absolutely. not just sports, but in orchestra on stage in band, they learn some of those same skills. They were uh, look students in performing arts, fine arts. They, they, they work as hard as anybody else. I, I mean, there's a lot of time that has to be put in. Uh, I, I just watched, uh, we put on um, Cinderella uh, and, and those students have put in a tremendous amount of time to get that ready and to perform at a high level, which they, they certainly did. So I try to be uh, as active as I can in getting to see, uh, students showing the great things that they're doing now, you know, and that's, that's one of them. I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Suzanne Royer, who was the head of your booster club. I believe she yes. was chairperson of our board of directors, a representative from Northwestern medicine. But um, I know that her heart was really in uh, that booster club. She did an outstanding job. And she brings all those qualities yes. to the board. Good. Yeah. She, she's been great. During her tenure, you know, we had a couple challenging things and, and she led us through that. And, and she's just, she's awesome. She is. She's a leader. She is. Mr. Matt Biskin, thank you very much for joining us, my friend. And congratulations on your, on your new role. We will do the, uh, those of us, I'll speak for the Wheaton North community, not, not the Wheaton South community, <laughs> Vicki. Those of us in the Wheaton North community and from the Falcon family will do our best to not think ill of you when we see you wearing orange and black sometime. And those of us in the Tiger family will <laughs> welcome you warmly with whatever colors you have on. You might want to set an over-under for how long it takes me to put that on. I don't know. We'll see. Thank, thank, you, you, for all you, thank, thank you. Thank you for all you thank do you. for us. Well, that's it. Another episode of The Local in the can. Thanks for joining us. If you have any story ideas or comments, drop us a note at fairhavenwealth.com. And be sure to subscribe, review, and rate us on your favorite platform. I'm Mark Horner, and I hope you'll join us next time when we cut another episode of The Local. The Local.